Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Welcome to Box 39, this is me, Bill Lawrence, and I'm here in a packed Studio One on the fourth floor of the mighty Colm Radio Towers tonight. I'm here with my co-presenter Joe Coldwell, plus a couple of surprise guests, because tonight we'll be going to be exploring the oceans. Yes, all those oceans here on our spaceship that we call planet Earth. Now, someone told me that our oceans cover 71% of the Earth's surface and contain 97% of all of the Earth's water. And the oceans contain 99% of the living space on our planet. Ocean currents can't govern the world's weather, and humans depend on these teeming waters for comfort and for survival. So, more than 80% of the ocean is unmapped. It is unexplored. And the oceans hosts some of the world's oldest creatures. Well, what a show this is going to be. And with our two experts in the studio to help us, please join Joe and myself as we open Box 39 and we take our ocean journey. Somewhere beyond the sea Somewhere waiting for me My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ships that go sailing Somewhere beyond the sea She's there watching If I could fly like birds on high And straight to her arms I'd go sailing It's far beyond a star It's near beyond the is Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen, joined this week by Joe Caldwell. Well, this is me, Bill Lawrence, and I'm here with Joe Caldwell. Hello, Joe. Hello, Bill. Um, are you going to keep talking about oceans for the whole 
episode. That's my plan. It's just Absolutely. every time you say, it, I need a wee. So how long have we got? <laughs> well, we've got, we're here for about the next 58 minutes, I reckon. But this is Box 39. And as uh, regulars was know, the magazine of music and community, humour and chat, we are coming live to you, unless you're listening, of course, on a podcast, in which case we're not live at all, are we, Joe? <laughs> no, no, no. We're not. We're through the magic of somehow we're, we're pre-recorded. But also in the studio, of course, we've got our live house band, Ausgang Solo. And it's a glorious thing to have them back where they've been uh, shielding in India. So uh, you heard Henry and Ausgang Solo at the top of the show, and they did their piece of music, which is called How Deep Is the Ocean Is a Known Fact. What do you think to that? Well, anything that Ausgang Solo do, I'm all ears. So, yeah, well, they'll um, be, I hope so too. And they'll <laughs> be playing all the way through the show. Of course, you know, we have a contractual obligation and they have to do something for that vast fee, don't they? Yes. Absolutely. So tell us, Joe. tell us something about the oceans that you know. Well, I can't swim very well. So the ocean is a vast space that terrifies me and I'm also quite drawn to. Um, I don't know many facts about the ocean, but we have got some clever people coming into the studio a bit later, I hope. Right. Um, we found them washed up on a beach <laughs> and we've dragged them in. Okay. Are, are you going to reveal who they are yet? Not at this moment. Oh, okay. I think we keep people in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to reveal who they are. We've got uh, two people coming. We've got um, Leanne Hepburn and Eleanor Church, who are going to be our guests. And they're experts on watery things. Because if there's something you and I need, Bill, and that is a couple of experts. <laughs> we do, absolutely. Yes. So uh, I can tell you one thing about the oceans. There's actually, there, it's one ocean, covers the whole world. But they're divided up to make it easier for, for people like myself. Ooh, now I know a good word to do with this. Is it Teutonic? Was it, were there Teutonic plates that did something and made the ocean separate? Well, you got me there. We're going to have to ask our guests yes. when they come in, aren't they? Someone will know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I got rid of most of my facts in the introduction, but I do know there's a Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, and the Arctic. Are there any more? Well, there was one in the 70s, I think, that um, Bobby Ewing was in, or otherwise known as Patrick Duffy. He was the man from Atlantis. Which oh, ocean? Yes. Was, yeah, where yes. was he? I don't know. Like most things from the 70s, I think that's been shut down and forgotten about. Oh, stop it? lying about your age. <laughs> Somebody out there will remember the man from Atlantis, but I'm not sure which ocean. I presume the Atlantic. Okay. Uh, uh, now, how much do you think the ocean weighs? Ooh. And I want your answer in short tons, please. Uh, to not the, long ones. To the, to the nearest long one. The, I reckon a big long one. Yeah, lots of noughts. <laughs> lots of noughts. Lots of noughts. About, I'm just trying to count on this piece of paper, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, about eighteen, one and a half, and then t- t- fifteen noughts. Which is impressive. I'm more impressed who, who actually came to that figure. Someone bored, I yes. imagine. <laughs> Someone really bored. <laughs> they had a lot of little cups that they kept pouring into a big bowl. Absolutely, yeah. Well, what's your favourite ocean? Oh, um, that's a good question. I was in India last year or the year before. Lots of children were playing on the beach and I asked them about swimming and they didn't swim. They couldn't swim. They were terrified of the water. So that's your favourite ocean? That was my favourite ocean. The Indian Ocean? Is the it Indian Ocean. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been in that. I've dipped my toe in that. Actually, yeah, it was nice. Very warm. It was lovely. Yeah. Okay, look. Before we get uh, into some more music, let's just uh, uh, tantalise and uh, explain what's coming up. Can you tell us what's coming up? Can you think what's coming up? Coming up, well, we do have our guests. We do have it, and we're going to talk about how the oceans create our weather. We have, between us all, we're going to speak about how the oceans create our weather. Yeah. I'm going to try and do this without sounding like a school teacher. Sound like Um, a DJ. How we use the oceans, (laughs) um, how we misuse the oceans. Yeah. And as I said earlier, every time I mention the word ocean, I feel like having a wee, but I don't think that's misusing the ocean. Um, What strange and mysterious life forms dwell in the oceans. Yeah. And at that point, I may mention a book. Remind me to mention a book, Bill. Okay. Um, when it comes to mysterious life forms um, and what we still don't know about our oceans. Well, in my case, that's practically everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Why do you think I ask these clever people on? Okay, let's listen to Billy Eilish and Ocean Eyes. Staring at those ocean eyes But 
Wivenhoe was staying a few nights with old friends Philomena and her novelist husband Larry at their secluded scuba diving lodge near Manado, Indonesia. They urged her to go for a dive, but she waved the idea away and laughed. Nevertheless, the next day, as she ran her fingers along the coral and peered at the kaleidoscopic fish 50 meters down in the Pacific Ocean. She surrendered to the cloying rasp of her own breathing and realized she'd never been this far removed in every sense from the restrained bustle of the House of Lords in all her working life. This is Box 39, and I'm Bill Lawrence. And we just heard there a little playful piece from Ausgang Solo, from Henry. And that piece is called Ocean Oil Slicks Have Only Three Upsides. (laughs) So thank you very much, Henry. Perfect. Okay, so we're moving on with our show. This show's all about the oceans, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome our two guests into the studio. Now, right in front of me on the red microphone here in Colm Radio Towers is Dr. Leanne Hepburn. She's Director of Education and Senior Lecturer in Marine Biology at the University of Essex. Uh, she loves coral reefs and environmental change. She works on local projects here in North East Essex, such as native oyster restoration and the juvenile fissures of coastal habits. And Leanne also works with local schools and she inspires everyone around her about the marine environment. So welcome, Leanne. Nice to have you in the studio. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. You actually don't sound like you're from North East Essex, Leanne. 
I am an honorary North East Essex dweller. I've been here for about 15 years now, but I am originally from Glasgow. Ah, okay, well, welcome to Essex. Now, Joe, would you like to introduce the uh, person sitting to your left? The person to my left is Eleanor Church, who by her own omission is not an expert on oceans but oh my goodness let me tell you why she's here Eleanor is a documentary photographer and filmmaker based in Colchester who in 2018 took a mammoth voyage through the Great Pacific Ocean garbage patch in an attempt to learn more about the impact of plastic pollution on coastal communities I mean imagine that is pretty exciting it is and you say you're not an expert, Eleanor, but hey, right. you've done something we haven't. Absolutely. Beginning in Hawaii, wow. ending in Vancouver. Nice. Um, and Bill can tell us where those places are. <laughs> well, somewhere maybe not. on a map, somewhere um, on a map. Ending in Canada. Eleanor and a 14-strong all-women crew. And I have to point out here, this all-women crew were not sailors. They were scientists, journalists, researchers, and like Eleanor, a filmmaker, designers, conducted vital research in an area thought to be the most dense accumulation of ocean plastic in the world. If she is not a modern-day superhero... I don't know what is. Hello, Eleanor, and welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. Well, it's lovely to see you, and and welcome to the glamour of Colm Radio Towers, by the way. It is quite amazing, and I'm glad you made it up to the fourth floor. Um, Anyway, so we're going to ask you about the ocean being a weather maker, and particularly want to start with you, Lan, because I don't understand this, like most things, but how on earth does the ocean impact on our weather? How does that work? Well, as you said in the beginning, Bill, the ocean covers 70% of the planet, just over 70%, this massive water body weighing, you know, lots and lots of knots of tonnes. And it plays a starring role, really, in whatever happens in our environment. Um, But one big part of its role is to soak up the energy, soak up the heat uh, from the sun and distribute it more evenly around the planet. Right. Right. So oceans absorb and store heat from the sun and in the tropic oceans, um, effectively, the sea is a bit like a giant solar panel. Right. Um, And then it's distributed around the earth and exchanged through ocean currents. And ocean currents, if you imagine, is like this huge, big conveyor belt. As you see, if it's just one ocean and we just name them to kind of categorise them for ourselves, it's this big conveyor belt being driven all around the the planetary oceans. And that's driven by the trade winds on the surface. And then below the surface, it's gradients in, in temperature and salinity. Wow, it's complicated, isn't it? But it's really important, isn't it? It's hugely important. We couldn't do without them then, could we? We could not. No. No, you wouldn't be sitting here breathing now, Bill. No. Well, Eleanor, Eleanor, you've been out there. You've been out there in the middle of the Pacific. I can only imagine what it's like, but you know what it's like. What was the weather like right there in the middle? Well, I'd spent such a long time preparing my camera equipment and raising the funds to go on this expedition that I hadn't thought that much about the weather. And um, leaving Hawaii, thinking that's a hot place, and arriving in Vancouver in the summer, I thought, well, that would also be quite hot. I thought it'd just be hot the whole time. But luckily, I chucked a few woolly jumpers in my bag. And um, yeah, we came across all kinds of weather because... um, yeah, from hot to very, very choppy and windy. We had unusually rough weather, actually. Um, and we were going to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is also called the North Pacific Gyre. And the gyre is in the middle of one of these conveyor belts that Liam was telling us about. Right. And in the middle, it's meant to be dead flat. It's yeah. meant to be calm, 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 no winds, anything like that, because you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but the unusual situation we were in was that there was an awful lot of wind, actually. And um, so, luckily, as well as my shorts um, and T-shirts, there were also lots of foully, uh, foul weather gear on the boat and I wore that for the majority of the three weeks we were at sea. Right. So, yeah. So, Liam, this is just something that I was thinking. It, we probably don't know what the weather's like for a lot of the time in the middle of the Pacific because no one's there, are they? <laughs> but does it ever snow in the middle of the Pacific? Well, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Um, no, you wouldn't expect to find snow in the middle of the Pacific because of the distribution of heat around there. It doesn't yeah. really um, form snow oh, at all. Oh, that's good, because no. I, I don't like snow, Joe. I, like I know you don't like snow, 
um, Bill, but what you do like is talking about weather. You could not be more British. We're talking about the <laughs> oceans, and we've mentioned woolly jumpers, we've yeah. mentioned sunshine, yeah. and now you've gotten to snow. I mean, we are so British, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is an important thing, isn't it? Culturally very, very important. And uh, we watch the weather every day, don't we, on the news? We do. And now, obviously, as Leanne has said, it's the ocean that's controlling it. And if things are going amiss in the ocean, we need to be quite concerned. We do. Well, on, on that note, while we hold that note before we develop it, we're going to listen to Peggy Lee, who's going to answer one of our questions that we've been puzzling over. And she's going to tell us how deep is the ocean? I'm in Box 39, but I'm also here with Joe Colwell. Hello, Joe, once more. Hello, Bill, again. And did you get the answer there? How deep is the ocean? Yeah, it was very deep, was the answer. It is it so deep that Peggy Lee's very long legs <laughs> would not be able to reach the bottom? Well, yeah, it was so deep, they, they, I would not understand the depth, really, to be honest. But anyway, oceans is what it's all about. This is Oceans 39, the special Box 39, all about uh, our oceans. And we've got experts, because we need them, don't we, Joe? <laughs> Today. We've said that once or twice. I'm getting it. <laughs> so uh, we've got, I'm going to talk again to uh, Leanne, Leanne Hepburn, who's uh, a senior lecturer in marine biology at the University of Essex. And, and Leanne, I want to know, why are our oceans so useful to us? What is, what's so important about them? Wow, that's a big question, mm. Bill. Um, I could probably talk about that all night. But I think that the first thing to say is... Um, it's how we're able to sit here now, how we're able to breathe. So um, oxygen production, oxygen's about 20% of our atmosphere. And whenever people think about oxygen, we talk about the lungs of the planet, we think of the rainforest, we think of the trees, but actually the oceans produce more oxygen than the trees. 
Right. So the oceans produce over 50% of our oxygen. Um, and in the same way that trees photosynthesize and take up carbon and water and um, produce oxygen, that's also what marine plants do. So phytoplankton, the teeny, teeny, tiny little microbes in the ocean yeah. um, are responsible for producing more than 50% of our oxygen. And that is an amazing, I think, um, useful yeah. <laughs> um, aspect of the ocean. Absolutely. Of course, we talked a little bit about climate regulation. So the oceans are um, responsible for the climate we experience so climate being different from weather, um, weather being what you experience day to day um, and climate being what you experience over a longer time. Um, food. Yeah. Protein, fish. Yeah. Um, there are about one billion people on the planet that protein from fish is their, is their, main, their main source. Yeah. Um, medicine. Right. Lots and lots of medicine really? from... What, what sort of medicine could marine you... Marine organisms. What sort of medicines then? Well, interestingly, most of the um, pharmaceuticals that have been produced from the sea are actually, they're not from maybe megafauna, sharks, whales, even fish. They're actually mainly from sessile organisms, so things that don't move. Um, Sponges. Yeah. Deep sea sponges, tunicates. (laughs) um, All these sessile creatures, um, perhaps because they have to be able to repel predators, they're not able to move away, they tend to produce lots of different types of chemicals. Um, And of course, historically, we discovered um, medicines from from land, you know, penicillin and um, aspirin, things coming from trees, coming from mould, coming from bread. But actually, now we're able to explore the ocean depth, we're discovering more and more pharmaceuticals from them. So, um, things for treating um, inflammatory diseases, um, anti-cancers, chemicals that break down tumours for breast cancer, ovarian cancer. So, so the ocean is unbelievably useful, isn't it? It is we, unbelievably It helps us useful. breathe, it feeds us and it helps us stay well. I think we could almost do an ocean bingo. <laughs> it's food, it's breath, yeah. it's medicine. Amazing. That is amazing, isn't it? Well, so... That's how we use the oceans, isn't it? In, in really basic, important, mega uh, and useful ways. But Eleanor, you've been out there in the oceans. So what have you actually seen or filmed while you've been out there that, that illustrates their importance? Well, I think um, as a filmmaker and a photographer, I've probably spent an unusual amount of time thinking about the oceans and fish over my nearly 20-year career. Um, I've done lots of work to tell stories of illegal fishing in coastal communities in West Africa and Asia, uh, where people, as Leanne said, depend on fish as their only source of protein. Um, So foreign illegal fishing vessels coming in and overfishing, taking all the fish, leaving little for the communities that live there and also causing other environmental problems and also problems for the community. Um, I've also covered stories that look at human trafficking and modern day slavery and fishing. Um, um, And again, on boats that are fishing um, for things that we wouldn't think about maybe. So uh, things like trash fish, which is then used in shrimp feeds, because it needs to be very cheap the people aren't necessarily paid it's all very complicated and out in the middle of the ocean all sorts of things can go on um that no one can see um but when i was on this trip uh, across the north pacific what we were particularly looking at was plastic pollution and um the gyre is said to be um three times the size of france so it's huge um but it's not a solid island of trash which lots of people think it is it's not something you bump into it's like a soup of tiny bits of plastic that have broken down and um the problem with that is that um we well we're still learning more about it but the problem is that um it's sort of entering our food chain but also chemicals and um toxic toxic um chemicals that are in the ocean like um flame retardants or pesticides or things like that can attach themselves to plastics and then enter our food chain as well so um yeah lots of things going on in the ocean as leanne says very important um lots of things we could do a bit better at um looking after them oh yes i think i think the human race could do things a lot better on most places every place and what's so interesting is that balance that one of you have mentioned the pharmaceuticals that can save us and Eleanor you've seen that the chemicals that will hinder us yeah. so it's all there it is 
But we love it, and we love to be beside the sea. Beside the seaside. We, we do. Beside well, the sea. Okay, the kooks, they're going to sing a song called <gasps> Seaside. Love this song. Do you want to go to the seaside? I'm not trying to say that everybody wants to go. I fell in love at the seaside. I handled my charm with time and sleight of hand. You want to go to the seaside? I'm not trying to say that everybody wants to go. I fell in love at the seaside. She handled her charm with time and sleight of hand. But I'm just trying to love you any kind of way. But I find it hard to love you, girl, when you're far away Away Do you want to go to the seaside? I'm not trying to say that everybody wants to go But I fell in love on the seaside on the seaside In the seaside I pivot 360 degrees in place My buddies are above, below and all around Bubbles blossom, billow and rise from our mouths, mirror-finished like silver mushrooms. Colourful wetsuits dot the space. Above, two slim figures in jet-black suits with bright orange fins and masks. Below, the bloke from the US Embassy is incongruously dressed in shorts and T-shirt, as am I. The dive master summons us with gestures, and with neat flips we gather near the jade-green wall of the aquarium net. I breathe. I float in peace. Gravity has lost its grip. Sweet epiphany. I'm a three-dimensional being at last. Welcome back to Box 39, and you are listening there, of course, to another fine piece of music from our studio house band, Ausgang Solo, and that is a piece called I Drank Seawater for Charity. So, thank you very much uh, there, Henry. And we're here with uh, Leanne and Eleanor, and I'm here with my co-host tonight, who is Joe Coldwell. I'm feeling slightly scared <laughs> about the pharmaceutical companies cashing in on the ocean it's our yeah. ocean we own it yeah. we need to look after it but maybe that's another show bill well i think it is uh, yes but it's a big question isn't it it's a big one it too is. big for tonight let's go back to the experts okay then alian uh, who uh Leanne, of course is uh works as a, a senior lecturer in marine biology at the university just down the road and uh Leanne, i'm going to ask you a, probably a, a very big question yet again because i know i keep asking you very big problems uh, very big questions now What's the worst problem that we have in our misuse of the oceans? What's the worst thing? Well, these are big questions, they are the big Bill. Ones. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, ocean warming caused by climate change is is the biggest problem that we have. Um, now, obviously, that's a global problem, and then there are lots of other local problems. Um, which I'm sure Eleanor is going to cover in terms of pollution, but we don't just mean pollution by plastics. It's pollution from oil, pollution from sewage, um, and pollution from, from industrial chemicals. But I think for me, the the worst problem we have is, is ocean warming. It's a serious uh, problem for our oceans, and it's a serious problem for us. 
but when you talk about what's the biggest problem for our oceans and I say warming, you know, people think, well, I can't do anything about that. That's a global problem. What on earth am I supposed to do about that? But actually, that's, I think, where we have to have a change of attitude, um, really, in terms of how societies think about how we live in terms of growth, economic growth and, and what we consume. Um and start thinking about sustainability at an individual level. So what can we do about it is really, really not difficult. And we really don't need to understand any more information about it. It's all the things that we've known since the 80s, you know, just consume less, use more energy, um, walk instead of taking your car, eat less meat, all those things that everyone knows about. And, and yeah. those things can actually make a difference with the ripple effect, of course, um, with so many people on the planet. It's really um, a, a, lo- a global issue that yeah. can be solved um, at the local level if, if everyone does their bit. Well, let's uh, hope so. I'm, I was listening on the radio uh, the other day, and uh, I was a millennial, and I sort of got the idea of millennials. They're about sort of in their teens and twenties, aren't they? Younger know. than us. And uh, they were saying that they did, they they follow the rules. It's just those people that are a bit older that don't. So maybe that sort of uh, we've got to concentrate on those people that are rather set in their ways. I think so. I think everyone's got a responsibility to do their bit, and and I think what we have to do is really not that difficult. Yeah, it's really not that difficult if everybody does their little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Eleanor, you, you've been there on that Pacific Ocean garbage patch, three times the size of France, as you mentioned before, which is huge. But you know, what's the nitty gritty like of that of that ocean patch then? What's what's? How can you tell the misuse of the planet by studying that? that garbage patch well i think um the i guess a big thing to say is that lots of people have heard about the great pacific garbage patch but not many people have been there which why it felt like a really special thing to be there to document it um and to be taking scientific samples which um we had we were taking um yeah doing research for 10 different scientific research groups um around the world looking at very different things um because actually organizing an expedition to go there because it's so remote at times we're closer to people in a space station than we were to people on land um is so much to organize um so i guess um i'll give you an idea of what what we we set sail from hawaii we're sailing for about five days we hadn't seen another boat another person and then all of a sudden you see a toothbrush floating past um and then, you know, a plastic chair, a washing basket. And it felt really random to be in the middle of nowhere, you know, and not having seen land for that long, but seeing all these things that had to come from land. Um, and then when the weather died down, we started putting a trawl in and we were sampling from the surface of the water, not even the thousands of metres below us. Um, and what we were picking up in the in the fine mesh net was um, these small bits of plastic. And the research was looking at... Um, what what these things had been before they'd broken down into smaller bits of plastic because most of them had been something bigger something that someone on land had used that had ended up in the ocean and broken down um, looking at um, how this plastic was travelling around the world where it had come from looking at what was growing on it looking at what chemicals had attached themselves to it um, and various things like that and um, I guess the thing is that it is breaking that some some bits of plastic are made very small like micro beads um that we're using cosmetics that are banned now we found actual micro beads in the middle of the ocean and that will be in the environment for a very 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 long time um and um I've lost my train of thought. Now. <laughs> well, you're telling <laughs> well, us you're about how awful it is there. There's a lot of stuff out oh, there. Sorry. Isn't there is There's a lot, lot of stuff, stuff out there. And what we were looking at, basically, we were an all women crew, and what we were particularly interested in looking at is how um, this plastic affects the environment, but then also affects humans, and in particular women. Um, and what has been understood is that some of the chemicals that are dear to the plastic or um, are mixed with the plastic as they enter the food chain, they build up through bioaccumulation. So, um, and when they come into our bodies, they don't leave our bodies um, and they can have effects on our hormone regulation, things like that. And that can affect things like um, female cancers and... Um, and miscarriages pres- presumably and breastfeeding like as well. If and you're passing that on to your children, it's horrible. Yeah. 
But Leanne can explain that much better than I can. <laughs> so, so plastic seems to be a bit of a scourge then. It's, I mean, the, the, the plastic stuff was the, the shocking stuff out there for you. Yeah, and the thing that's, um, that's really important to understand is that because it's broken down into such small pieces, you can't just go there and scoop it all up, no. basically. And that's the big thing. That That's what most people say. You know, well, can't you just go in with a big boat and then scoop it all up and take it out there? But the fact is that this plastic is going in at such a rate... Um, yeah. And also it's breaking down that you can't do that. So what we really need to do is to stop stop using so much of it and stop letting it get into the ocean in the first place. Well, on, on that really uh, sad note and plastic-filled note, let's uh, listen to Gorillas with their song Plastic Beach. with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen, joined this week by Joe Coldwell. Yes, and we're joined by Joe Coldwell and our two special guests, Leanne and Eleanor, and we're talking about oceans, aren't we, Joe? We are, and um, as you know, I work in a bookshop, and a lot of the books at the moment are addressing this issue, the oceans, environment, and... I think that we're putting a lot of guilt onto those three and four-year-olds. It's not their fault, but they are growing up with an awful lot of guilt that we have essentially created, and I think we need to be very careful with that. Absolutely. And uh, just before we continue, we've got uh, a text come in on the on the phone, and that's from Daryl Bass from Gusset Hills in St. Osif. And Daryl wants to know, Joe, he wants to know, what is your favourite ocean apart from the Indian Ocean? Because he he doesn't like the Indian Ocean. He doesn't. Well, no. he's got he's got four or f- four others to choose from. Yeah. What's his favourite one? He um, says his favourite ocean is the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, I think that every ocean has, as we've learnt tonight, there, there's just one big ocean. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not changing my mind. Sorry, Daryl. Sorry, Daryl. Yeah, Mine's I, still the Indian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we are. Back to the Indian Ocean in your in your thoughts, Daryl. So we'll move on. And Eleanor. 
Uh, no, we'll start with Leanne. We'll start with Leanne. Now, Leanne is a senior lecturer, as we know, in marine biology, so she knows about stuff under the ocean, don't you? All those things that are moving around, interesting and surprising sort of life forms. So, go on, tell us about one that's really interesting and surprising, Leanne. So, I think the question was about mysterious um, beasts of the ocean, and yeah. I think people always expect you to talk about some deep sea creature, you know, that's, that looks like it's from outer space. Yeah. But in fact, um, a really amazing creature that's very local to us, yeah. and I know you're going to be surprised when I tell you that this is my mysterious creature, yeah. it's actually the oyster. Oh, yeah, I am surprised you got that right. You, are you I surprised? surprised? Now, you may think that the oyster <laughs> is just a... Some people just think it looks like a rock. You know, it's a bivalve. Yeah. It's got two um, shells and it's just got this globby meat inside it. Not very nice. But actually, oysters are really amazing creatures. Oh, yeah. And they can um, re-engineer coastlines. They can build reefs. They can filter an absolutely amazing amount of water really, really quickly. So they can clean the sea, <laughs> essentially. If you had a tank, a small tank like a fish tank, yeah. um, that was completely murky and filled with algae, yeah. and you put in, um, you filled it with oysters along the bottom, yeah. within probably two or three days, that tank would be completely clear. Wow. They are amazing creatures and um, they're also amazing uh, in terms of their reproduction. So they can change from male to female. They can sometimes be both at the same time. Wow. They wow. can produce 50 to 100 million eggs. That's a few, isn't it? It's a lot. They oysters are really magnificent creatures. And of course, Colchester is famous for oysters. Are, World yeah. famous. Yeah. And it's also a sustainable fishery. So, oi oi for the oyster. Oi oi, yes, they, get they yourself down to Marzi and get some oysters. They sound right, like the I'll... perfect party companion. They yeah. cross the gender divide <laughs> and then they clear up afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> Come to the party. I'm slightly worried about eating them because there'll be less of these wonderful things about. Or is it all right to eat them? They are a very sustainable fishery. So okay. people worry about what fish they can and can't eat. And I think as consumers, it's, it can be a real minefield. But you can eat as many oysters as you like. As and actually, bank will allow. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the Romans, um, that's, that's what they eat. That's why there's really yeah. not a lot left since the Industrial Revolution. We've lost 95% of our oysters. Um, but we are, we're starting to restore them and starting to understand how important and magnificent they are. Well, um, let's bring back the oyster. Really surprising, yeah. really mysterious creature. Well, that's great news. I enjoyed that. Now, Eleanor, we've got, uh, we've got a text here from Donna from Norwich, one of our regular listeners. And Donna always listens to us in the bath, so I hope it's going well, Donna. So thank you for listening again this week. And uh, well, she wants to know, she says, Eleanor, what's it like there, out in the middle of the Pacific? What's it actually like? Well... That's a really good question. It's just amazing, actually. Um, Joe was just asking me if I felt scared. And um, when I left, I felt scared because it was a realisation that we were going to see for three weeks and probably wouldn't see another boat. And that felt like a scary thought. But actually, when we got into it, we got into the rhythm of the day and the shifts and being up in the middle of the night and then up at dawn and at sunset with no phones no other people no other boats it was really extraordinary because all you could see were waves basically yeah. and the sun and the sky and the sun or the rain um and some albatross sometimes and some and um some flying fish but weirdly we didn't actually see that many big things like whales and things like that no. until we were closer to land but after we'd had a really depressing couple you know 10 days of trawling and finding more and more and more plastic we were all feeling so tired and so miserable because it was just depressing and we hadn't started thinking about because the reason we were there as all different professions was we were there to sort of discuss like how we would have system change to make things different to stop all of this plastic getting in but we were feeling really down and then i saw out of nowhere on this rainy day a pod of 50 dolphins just <gasps> burst out of the waves and it was incredible and that was probably one of my best moments and that felt amazing but really the 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 most amazing feeling that i like to think about on a dreary day here um is at night time being at the helm and there being a gazillion stars in the sky and on the crest of every single wave being lit up by phosphorescence um, 
and just a, a, a like a, a tail behind the boat. Our boat was called Sea Dragon. Yeah. A, a tail of phosphorescence going behind us, and the quietness and just being so far from everything was just extraordinary. And you'd never experience that in life normally, oh, yeah. and you, I'll never experience that ever again. And you build a wonderful, you paint a beautiful picture. Joe, you're just I'm, quite gone with that, yeah, aren't you? I'm, I'm away with the fairies. I'm um, going to put a sign up at the shop saying "Gone Fishing." I'm off with Eleanor. Oh, well, I think to let you recover, we're going to listen to the next piece of music then, and this is A Groove Armada and At the River. dive master said it might happen just kneel on the bottom near the wreck and stay still sure enough they came a cylindrical column of silver descended from above one by one they glided past my face it was almost like each fish wanted to check me out silver trevallies all with a jet black spot on their sides Another school was circling ten meters above me, but in a flat, circular formation. Then, from nowhere, a giant trevally muscled its way through the column. It was in no hurry. It was clearly the biggest, baddest gangster on the block. aren't we joe just for another few minutes we are there's no water in here though i feel the need we should fill the box with some water and uh johnny johnston from jaywick has texted in to say who chose the music this week <gasps> it was me thanks for asking johnny johnston from jaywick loves the music so that's good enough have you noticed the theme 
Yes. Yeah, OK, he got the yeah. theme, good. We got the theme, we got the theme. OK, some quick texts for our experts before we run out of time. So uh, we've got one here from Mango Dread from Shrub End, a regular listener. And Mango says, uh, to Leanne, is it true that 95% of our oceans are unexplored? It's pretty much true, yeah. It's probably a bit less than that now. I'd say, um, yeah, somewhere between 80-90%. But the majority, I think, is, is fair to say of our oceans are unexplored. And that, to me, on planet Earth is just not right. And we need more Eleanors to go off exploring. Um, yeah, it's true. Wow, it's, I'm shocked by that. I just thought we'd explored everywhere, you know. And I thought now we now we're going to the moon because we've done everywhere on Earth. But I don't know. Anyway, it's eighty percent to go. Yes, fantastic. Right, get out there, Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> and now another one we got here from this is from our old friends Ron and Reg, Ron and Reggie from Brightlingsea, and they say Eleanor. How shocking was it for you to see the garbage patch when you first saw it, really? How did that feel? Um, well, awful, really. I mean, that's why we were there, so we're excited to be starting to do the science, but when we realised what was there and that all of this stuff had come from land, and when you think about all of the plastic you've used in your life, think of all the plastic you've used today, and then seeing all this stuff there in the middle of nowhere, it was just awful. Yeah. Okay. And one final one we've got here from someone called Not Wearing Red Trousers. And he says, Joe, I'm with you on the Indian Ocean, he says. Or she, not really sure. So basically, you, me, Eleanor, Leanne, all of our listeners, let's all go. We're all going to the Indian Ocean. Brilliant. Brilliant. We'll go now. Well, we've got another show to do, but uh, we'll do it after that. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much, Leanne, and thank you, Eleanor, for coming along to uh, our box 39 uh, this week and of course to my co-presenter joe colwell thank you so much and great music joe great music great guests great yeah, show absolutely. thank you for having us it's been lovely to lo- love to hear you thank you for having us can i just say one thing quickly we have to be positive okay because there are lots of things that are wrong in the world and that aren't good but we can do lots to make it better I think you're absolutely right would you know i say there is something very magical about the ocean isn't there and uh, the constant movement and change, there's rolling waves, daily tides. But also it's like a constant force of nature that can't be stopped. No matter how much we try, we'd like to try and stop it, it's a magic and a mystery of the ocean that makes us realise how powerful nature is. And we're just tiny, aren't we, in proportion? And long after each of us has gone, the ocean's going to carry on, isn't it, with its endless movement? The tides will come and the tides will go. Controlled by that strange bit of rock circling around the earth, hundreds of thousands of kilometres away, the moon and uh, this may seem a sobering thought but it's it's good though because it shows how tiny and insignificant most of our worries are really and let's focus on minds what's really important which is living in the moment and making every moment count let's do it okay so from high up here in studio one on the fourth floor of the mighty calm radio towers looking out over the full and fertile lands of northeast essex it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Once more, we're closing Box 39. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.
make me their slave So I went so far away I didn't look back I'll come back someday Mama wait And she weep She said arise and don't you take them from me Black sails on the sea is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 